Good morning, Crossfield. Let's all stand together as we worship.
right now as we continue, uh, we're going to invite up some very special guest worship leaders with us today. So let's cheer them on as they come on up. You said, ask and you will receive whatever you need. You said, pray and I'll heal from heaven.
before we go on, I want to share something. This Wednesday night, I think, is going to be a very special night for our church in that there's a lot of controversy surrounding a book called Love Wins. And so Ronnie and I are going to sit, we're going to have a discussion uh, showing what the book says and then taking time to show what Scripture says because uh, we believe that you need to know what the Word of God teaches in relation to this uh, book that we're not real happy about. And so it's not going to be demeaning anybody, but we just want to make sure good, solid doctrines talked about and taught. So if you want to come, uh, we'd love to have you be a part of that. But today, I want you to meet Kathy Roberts. Kathy is the wife of Tim Roberts, who heads our worship department. And I love Tim, and I love Kathy. And actually, I got to know you when you were in high school. I saw you fall in love with Christ. I got to watch her be baptized. And uh, then I watched her and Tim fall in love together, which was cool. And I got to do their wedding. And they have two of the most beautiful children ever, um, Caleb and Ava. Caleb's four, and Ava's two. So anyway, it's good to have you. But let me tell you why Kathy's here. We were in a setting where we were talking with couples about how to have a relationship that is really Christ-centered, and what it happens, one of those moments you experience God, one of those moments where it's as a couple, he's there, or as a family, he's there, and when Kathy started sharing for Tim and her and Caleb and Ava, when that moment is, I thought you have to hear that, so go ahead and tell them. You know what, I think one of the coolest parts was that um, when you asked that, um, Tim and I both immediately thought of the same thing, and we both had the same answer without even knowing it. And that was that we all, as a family, get to pray for our little girl in Kenya who we sponsor. And I think Tim and I have just realized how amazing it is to experience praying out loud together as a family. And so now our thing at night is before bed, um, we all pile into Caleb's twin-size bed, and, um, and we pray together. And we get to hear Caleb pray, and we get to hear his heart and, you know, we get to hear him, you know, praying and asking God to please let, um, let her have, let this little girl in Kenya, you know, have a great day. Because when he's going to bed, he knows that she's waking up. And, um, you know, we check the weather in Nairobi. And please, God, keep her dry and keep her, keep her um, warm from the rain and, um, and just, you know, provide for her and her family. And, um, and just, you know, help her to get to know you. And we get to hear our little boy saying these things, and it's already having such an effect on him, and it's just had a great impact on our family. Well, and I also, I know that um, when you were choosing, you really prayed about it. It became a very spiritual moment, even choosing Jane, and Jane's name has a lot of meaning to you. Yeah, it was such a neat experience. I mean, Tim and I always knew that we would sponsor someone someday. Um, but it wasn't until um, this last October, and it was a service just like this, and we had just seen a beautiful video, and, um, and so Tim and I looked at each other, and we said, today's the day, and, um, and I got to go out to the patio, and I was so emotional. It, I just saw the stack of cards that, you know, had all these faces on it, and I said, okay, Lord, you know, I just started praying, who is it going to be? And so um, I was thumbing through them, and and there was this little girl, and she had these pink flip-flops on, and she had this sweet smile. And I thought, okay, and her name was Jane, and that's um, my daughter's middle name. And she was four years old, just like Caleb. And when I saw her name, and I know that the, the name Jane actually means Yahweh is gracious. And I thought, that's, that's the little girl that we are going to sponsor and who's actually going to change our lives. Well, and I love the fact that if you haven't caught it, how personal this is, because uh, Tim and Kathy next year will be going to visit Jane, and probably other times like that. She's really, truly a part of their family in a very incredible way, and, uh, but it's gone to a whole new level, because um, I know you guys have been praying, saying, God, show us when the next time is to sponsor, and then uh, we found out about that Jane has a brother. Yes, you know, I think God put this on my heart even last October, and um, 
we got a letter in the mail from Kenya and we were so excited and it was so emotional. And um, it's a simple letter and she's just giving us a little background information about Jane and her family. And she says, you know, Jane lives in this village and she lives with her aunt. And, um, and then all of a sudden it says, um, both parents abandoned the boy. And then there's Jane and my heart just stopped and I said, Abandon the boy, who's the boy? You know, who is this? And so I couldn't let it go. I just started emailing with Lisa and I said, Lisa, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but we have to find this boy in Kenya. And she took me seriously and she started emailing people in Kenya and they are working to find this boy. And I'm starting to get emails this week, you know, just asking for more information and, um, and gonna try to find him. And if you're not catching what's going on is that because of Kathy's heart, because of Tim and her saying we wanna take care of another little child, we now have discovered there's this little boy who we're hoping is alive, we're praying he's still alive, and he's in one of the most uh, places of extreme poverty you can imagine, probably literally wandering the streets, hoping for food, not getting education. I mean, I, in my mind, I picture him laying there at night, just looking at the sky, hoping and praying someone will rescue him. And now because it's on your heart, our team has gotten involved, and right now Keith Ham's a missionary, Mary's our missionary. They're literally combing the streets in the slum, hunting for this little boy. I believe we're going to find him. And because of that, he's going to be taken and cared for and loved because you guys put that on your heart. Now, here's where we're going, Crossroads. Ready? It would take a miracle to find him. So let's pray for a miracle today together. What do you think? Let's do that because they're ready to sponsor. They're ready to take care of him. We're going to pray that God guides our people. So, yeah. So let's do that together. I'll have you lead out and I'll close. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to... Um, to pray to you yes, with Jesus. all of these people, even across the, the country, across the world, who are all asking for the same thing in agreement. Mm -hmm. And we are just asking you, God, for this little boy and um, that you would just um, make it easy for us to find him. And yes, I am so excited that we, even, that we even know about him. And so, God, thank you for that. And I pray that, um, that you would guide um, the leaders in Kenya to find him and that he would even just show up so that it would be so easy and that, um, that right now, God, that you would just comfort him and that he would sleep well and that you would just um, provide for him, that he would feel your presence and feel your love. And we just trust you with this and thank you so much for all that you're doing. Father, I pray too for this little boy and I just think how incredible it's going to be, God, when you move and Jane and her brother are reunited together and they're cared for in love because of Tim and Kathy and because of our mission teams and the people who are there. And Lord, we pray that you've kept him alive. We pray you've kept him protected. And God, I pray right now that you're going to guide people to him. I pray it's today. I pray we're going to be able to know good news soon. And I thank you for Tim and Kathy and Caleb and Ava and their heart to love. And Lord, that you've made them for such a time as this. And thank you that they're a part of our church family here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. All right. Oh, man. And I want you to know, we're really out there looking for that little boy right now. We really want to see him reached and found. And, and if you're going to catch where I'm going today, we're talking about how personal this is. And it really comes right out of the book of Philippians. And I want you to grab, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. But while you're turning there, let me tell you something else. Uh, you're going to hear us talk today because you can make a difference and I can make a difference. You might ask how. Well, I want to tell you, before I tell you the how, let me tell you why. Because we take seriously the words of Jesus. I hope you do. Uh, one of my favorite parts of Scripture is in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, and Jesus says these words. He says, Do not be afraid, little flock, 
For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Did you hear that? I, I love that. He's saying, Chuck, I don't want you to be afraid because I want you to know that my father in heaven has chosen to give you the kingdom. By the way, if you're here today and you're part of the family of God and you're a follower of Christ, I hope you go, wait a minute, man. No matter what's going on in the world, God has chosen to give me the kingdom. But I want to have you hear the next verse. He says, sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, nor moth destroys for where your treasure is, your heart is also. Now, I got to tell you, I hope you get excited about verse 32. He's chosen to give you the kingdom. And I hope you get just as excited about verse 33. Sell your possessions and give them to the poor. Now, I know there's some of you going, uh, no, I'm not that excited about that. But, but I want you to notice what it did not say. It didn't say, say, sell all your possessions. But it did say, look at what you have. And are there some things that you have that you could actually sell and make sure it goes to help somebody else? Now, where I'm going with this is this. We once a year, as a part of our church family, take Luke 12, 33 seriously. We have a rummage sale. And you might ask, does that make a difference? I want to tell you it makes a difference, a huge difference. The thousands of dollars that are raised at that because we pool that together. Not, I couldn't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. But when this church family comes together and we put those things there, we sell things, probably things that deep down you don't want. Uh, Pam and I already, we've got a printer and a scanner. I don't know how we got them. I think that our other printer and scanner had babies. And uh, why do we have two? I really don't know. And we're going to be putting those out there, really nice ones. And when those are sold, along with what you and I do together, that's going to go make the difference in the lives of people who don't have. And you know what? When churches do this, when a family of God does this, we make a big difference. So how could you get involved? Well, one way you can get involved is be a part of our rummage sale. Help out at it, or at the very least, bring some things to put in it. And you know what? As that happens, we're going to make the difference. And literally, the money, thousands and thousands of dollars goes and gives hope and dream and future. We're not sure where the money's going this year, but I promise you this, you'll know. And number two, uh, uh, the reason we're not sure is there's, there's some incredible causes. Uh, Lisa's found out about an area in Africa that has no, no, zero healthy drinking water. We could permanently give them water through what we do. Uh, we can make a difference like that. And I want you to know this matters, so I want to encourage you to be a part of it. The other way you can be a part is, is by, after the service, I'm going to talk about an opportunity for you to do what Kathy did. To walk to a table and pray and have God guide you to a child. And $35 a month makes a difference more than you can imagine. And, and I'm going to ask you to pray about that today. We want all the children sponsored. We want every one of them to have a hope, and we want to keep doing that. And so it can matter. Now, you might say, is this God's calling? Well, Jesus said we're to do this, but look at what it says in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You were created to make a difference. You were created and God laid a plan out for you to make a difference, to make great things happen, to do good things. God created you for that. I don't know if you caught it, but God created Ernie and Lisa Mitchison for that. And uh, the idea that they're sponsoring Cyrus is incredible. And if you didn't catch how much this matters, when, when that woman, that mom who loves her kids but doesn't know how to make it happen, said to Ernie, are you in this for the long haul? How long are you going to, do you know why she asked that question? Did you catch it? 
Because if they don't sponsor him, he has no hope. This isn't just 35 a month. This is this kid's life. And without it, he has no food. Without it, he doesn't get an education. Without it, he's trapped in extreme poverty. And what she was looking at them and saying is to her, it's a huge thing. To her, it's a big deal. By the way, do you know who else it's a big deal to? To God. Isn't it a big deal to God that we have a couple up here that that faithful? That aren't going to, that, that, that said, you know what, it, it's going to be a difference we're going to make. Before the foundation of the world, God prepared that they would do that. By the way, before the foundation of the world, God prepared for you to do great things. Don't miss it. God wants you to do great, great things. And I don't want you to ever let go of it. You might think, really? Now I want you to catch this. Before God knew your name. God knew what you would look like. God knew where you would live. God knew the clothes you would wear. God knew the good experiences you would have and the bad experiences you would have. And God knew that if you would fall in love with him, he would even take the bad things and turn them to good for you. God planned all that ahead of time. He planned it for you. And then in the midst of all of it, he said, but I want you to matter. I want you to make a difference. And he laid out plans for you to do it. Not one of you, not one of you, when God thought about you, he thought, I'll make that person insignificant. Did you know that? Your mom and dad might have said, hey, you're an accident. You weren't an accident in the sign of God. He knew ahead of time. And here's the thing. Are you walking in it? Are you doing it? Are you fulfilling your destiny? Are you being the person God meant for you to be? And are you making a difference? You need to understand it can happen time and time again. God's put it upon you. And he has great things for you to do. We have a man in our church named John Vasquez. And, and God put it on John's heart to start a wrestling ministry here. You might say, well, is that a big deal? I want to tell you it's a big deal. Those kids that are coming to that, man, he's pouring into them. and He's teaching them scripture and character and how to handle their bodies physically. He's got them together going out doing acts of service. There's, there was a woman in our church who her, her house was just beyond her because now she's single and she's elderly. And the wrestling team went in and changed that house. It made a difference to her. John's calling made that happen. And then in that, that ministry, uh, a young guy revealed that he's never, ever had a family dinner. He cannot remember one time his mom and dad tucked him into bed. But you know what? He has a family now in that ministry. John's pouring love into this guy's life. The, the other guys are brothers to him. And you know what? I want to tell you, it's huge that John did that. John was created for this. He's fulfilling his destiny. He's walking in what he was meant to be. And it's making a difference. I don't know what you're called to do, but I can tell you God has a unique calling for you. I, I'm not trying to say this pridefully. I know God has a calling for me. I believe I'm doing the things God wants me to do. And I don't want to waste the opportunities. And I don't want to let that go. And you need to know that. He has that for you. He has it for you. Some of you are called to pour into children. Some of you are called to pour into students. Some of you are called to make a difference in your neighborhood, in your workplace. But God wants you to do it. And, and it's, it's not going to be any one thing. There's lots of things. But when you step back and say, God, this is amazing. God called for some of you today to make a huge difference in the world by being a great customer. Wait, what? Customer? Is that a calling from God? Could that make a difference? The answer is yeah. It really could. We have uh, two food servers who are now attending our church because people from Crossroads went in and were nice to them, showed love to them, got to know them, and ended up being the ones who helped lead them to Christ, and now they attend our church. Now, do you think that's a big deal? And there might be a few of you sitting there going, okay, Chuck, I don't, I don't, 
I'm not with you, but I want to have you think of this. A few years back in our country, or some years back, quite a few years back, there was a, a man who came to our country to understand what the American dream was and to try to get an education. And uh, back then, racism was huge in this, this nation. One of the great evils that ever have ever cropped up anywhere, and it was in, embedded here. He worked in a restaurant. By the way, uh, I'm just going to take a guess at this. I have a feeling that he, like many people who worked in restaurants, didn't like Sundays. I don't know if you've ever been around a food server, they'll tell you Sunday's one of the worst days. And by the way, that's sad to say because that's the majority of people coming away from church being rude, mean, and, and not, not showing care. Well, we know this. We, we don't know exactly what happened on Sunday, but I can tell you this. While this man was in this country, he was treated so badly that he turned to an extremist group for protection. He didn't learn the American dream. He thought it was a nightmare. He was, he was attacked for not knowing English. He came to the country to learn English. He was berated. He was treated horribly in the restaurant he worked in. And some of you know his name. His name is Ho Chi Minh. And, and when he left here, he did not know the Lord. And when he left here, he did not know love. Now, I want you to know this. If, if the Christians who went in the restaurant those Sundays had started to get to know him and started to love him and started to embrace him, 58,000 Americans would not have died in Vietnam. It makes a big deal. It makes a big deal. Are we going to be the people we should be? Are we going to do what we're called to do? Because I'm going to tell you, I know some people didn't do that. Some people didn't reach out that way. By the way, the families that led those two first servers to the Lord, they may have stopped mass murder. Huh? No, I'm kidding. But... Uh, uh, but you know what? Is, is God called for you? And when we do what we're supposed to do, we make a difference. And that's what I don't want you to miss. Do you see what it says there in verse 10? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's who you are. But now, isn't it interesting? We were created to have a unity built in the love of Christ. That's what Paul gets into. And by the way, what he's going about to talk about is there should be no racial divides. When the church is the church, when we're being who we should be, we love each other no matter what. There's no national divide. There's no racial divide, no ethnic divide, no language divide. When we come together like that, we're literally the temple of God, the spirit of God. Now, you may not realize how big a deal this is. And, and I was even, I was praying about it. I thought, I don't know if people at Crossroads, when I talk about this, are going to get it. Please don't miss this. Whenever it talks in the Bible about Jews and Gentiles, it's because the Jewish people did not believe that the Gentiles were worthy of the acceptance of God. They did not believe that in reality they were true, truly human and people of value. And there was this racial divide. And even when the first group of people became Christians, Jewish people became Christians, they thought that non-Jewish people, Gentile people could not be. By the way, how sad that later on, those who were Gentile Christians turned on the Jews. God doesn't want either way. God hates racism. You know, as I was thinking about, Paul's about to talk about the beauty of, an, uh, of a church that doesn't have this and how incredible it is and how he's going to say in a minute, it's the mystery of Christ. I kept thinking, is that really going to be a big deal to this Crossroads family? And I know some of you have experienced it in the past, but, but here's the joy of it. I, I don't believe it's here right now. I don't think there's any racism in our church at all. And if there is, it needs to be driven out. But I don't think there is. Uh, as a matter of fact, we were paid a huge compliment. I had a group of pastors, who, or a, a black pastors in all black churches in downtown LA, come to meet with me. And I didn't know why they wanted to meet with me. But when they came to meet me, here's their question. They go, how can we be a church of color like Crossroads is? 
And I said, we are. And they said, yeah. They go, you're doing it. We want you to teach us how to reach beyond our own group, to reach our neighborhoods, and to allow everybody in. They, and, and they began to tell me that they know that all of those pastors could walk into our church. They'd be loved immediately. No one would look at them based on any issue like that. By the way, the other thing they said is, do you realize how many mixed marriages you have here? And by the way, aren't you glad, all of you who have mixed marriages, aren't you glad you walk in and no one looks at you funny? It's just, it's not an issue, is it? I know, Pam and I have a mixed marriage. You're saying, really? Yeah, beauty and the beast. But, uh, <laughs> is there, a, I, I gotta say, there's not an issue here. So much that I don't even think about it anymore. I'm praying, by the way, we need to be an international church. We need to be a church of color. I love the dialects. I love the language. Don't you love it? And, and, by the way, you know, I've heard some people say that the church should be colorblind. I don't think so. I think the church should love color. We should love it. And you know what? I love that that's what it is. That's what Paul's getting at here. Ephesians 2, that we are made to be one in Christ. It says in verse 11 this, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. Now, by the way, that was a derogatory term. He said, you were called a derogatory, you know, I know today if someone went, you're an uncircumcised, you wouldn't, so, I, you know, but you know, back then that was a mean-spirited term. And he said, you know, people called each other names. He said, do you realize you were calling each other names? And he goes on to say this, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, stranger to the covenant of promises, having no hope without God in the world. But now, that's all done away with, but now in Christ, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For, by, for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Now here's how. Look at verse 15. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity. That word enmity is the idea of being an enemy of somebody else. It's put away. It's not there because of race, because of ethnicities, because of language, because of, 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 of national origin. All that goes away when you're in Christ, he says. Jesus abolished it and got rid of the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he he might make two into one man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. When Jesus went to the cross, he died to put an end to racism. He died to say that we would judge somebody else as, as having less value. He died to say that we would be mean-spirited based on that. God's great calling is that none of us would be that way. And notice what it goes on to say in verse 17. And he came. Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have, access, we have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then, catch verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being your chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in whom... In whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together in the dwelling of God in the Spirit. Did you, you catch what Paul's saying? He goes, at one time you were Jews and Gentiles. He goes, but not anymore. Now you come together in Christ. And when, when racial groups come together, not not being in enmity with one another, not having barriers that separate. Guess what he says? That's the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit resides there. 
There's something incredibly spiritual when we do that together. There's something incredibly powerful when that happens. When we look at each other with love and we appreciate our backgrounds and we appreciate everything that happens. He says that's when it's spiritual. It was the very creed of the church that we would never ever keep the gospel exclusive to any one group. In Titus 2.11 it says, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. He says God's grace is for everybody. In Acts 17, 26 to 28, listen to what it said. This is powerful. Paul's talking about how God on purpose organized all the nations of the world not to divide us, but to somehow use it to bring everybody to him. Look what it says in verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live in all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and their boundaries of their habitation. He said, from one man. By the way, that means we're all related. Whether you like it or not, I'm a blood relative. By the way, Ernie was right. We are blood relatives. And I guess if I'm the older brother, he's the younger brother. And oh well, Anyway, uh, but you know what? We're all blood relatives. We all came from Adam. We all came from Noah. Everybody did. And he said, do you know, I, he made everybody from one person. And so we need to understand that. And then it says this. He then put their habitation, he put their boundaries. But catch what he says in verse 27. He did all of this that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. And as even some of your own poets have said, for we are his children. God said, I, I didn't want you divided. I, I, I want you to find me, and in finding me, I want you to find love for each other. God said, the only reason I've allowed this kind of proliferation to happen is so people would turn and understand the need to come back to me. And then when you do in Christ, what happens is we find that, that racism is put to death. We find that mean-spirited attitudes are put to death. We find an appreciation to one another. Peter in Acts 10 verses 34 and 35 said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome. In every nation. By the way, the word nation there is the Greek words ta ethne. In every ethnic group, God is calling for love. In every ethnic group, we're to bring the message of Jesus Christ. In every ethnic group, we're to reach out. God says that's what we're supposed to do. And by the way, in heaven, we're going to see the fruit of that. In heaven, we're going to see people from every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered together at the throne worshiping God. Now, by the way, did you catch what I just said? If you study the book of Revelation, we're going to see it. I don't know what our heavenly bodies are going to be like. I, uh, I get the impression that we're going to be able to eat all we want and not gain weight. I'm, I'm clinging to that one. But are you ready? It does say we're going to see people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now, I, I got a feeling God loves the colors of who we are. I don't think he's going to let that go. Those of you who have that beautiful black skin, you're going to have it in heaven. Those of you who have that wonderful brown, tan skin that many of us risk getting cancer for, you're going to have that in heaven. Some of us are blazing white. And it's going to, you know, and, and, and you know what? And, and, and man, God loves, and by the way, God loves color. He does, and, and, and I don't see that going away when I study it. Listen to what it says, starting in Revelation 5, 9. It says, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals as you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Did you catch that? It says that we're all, we're all equal. 
We're all a part of the kingdom. We're all priests together. All of us from every tribe, tongue, and nation. In Revelation 7, 9, it talks about that. In Revelation 14, 6, it talks about that. God loves when we come together in love and we see each other as having lives that matter. And he hates. He hates racism. By the way, don't miss this. From the beginning of creation, God did never, God's always uh, uh, literally denounced any mean-spirited attitudes towards people, hateful attitudes, hurtful attitudes, and one of which is racism. For some reason, it's a problem in man that we would do that, that we would look down upon one another rather than valuing one another. In Numbers 12, Moses faced the problem. In Numbers 12, verse 1, it says, Then Miriam, who is Moses' sister, and Aaron, who's his brother, spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Did you guys know that Moses married an Ethiopian woman? By the way, that Ethiopia is the same Ethiopia as today. I I was very heartbroken. Um, some commentators I love that are out of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, when I got to this section, that they weren't willing to embrace the idea that we know for sure that this woman was from Ethiopia. They tried to twist it. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, racism had even entered into their thinking and hearts. But we know that the woman had very dark skin. As a matter of fact, the New American Standard has the Kushite, which is that area of the world, which is modern-day Ethiopia. And it says, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. In Jeremiah 13, 23, it says, can an Ethiopian change their skin in a reference to how dark their skin was? As a matter of fact, this is not just black. This is black, black, black. And Moses married her. And Miriam spoke against it. Miriam attacked him in Numbers 12. And so you know what God did? God put his hand upon Miriam and cursed her with leprosy so her skin turned white as snow. Do you catch what God was saying? God was saying to Miriam, you want white? You got it. That's what he, and, and, and everybody was horrified that now she was literally white as snow, filled with leprosy. And Aaron said to Moses, pray for her, pray for her. And then Moses prayed and then God healed her. But God sent a message. I hate this. God sent a message. Moses was fine. Moses was doing right. Moses is my man. He married this beautiful woman, and, and you shouldn't speak against it. And it's always wrong whenever we do that. And by the way, it's always evil. And there's always consequences. In uh, the 1980s, I was youth pastor at this church. And by the way, I want to say that this church has always had pastors that stood strong for racial equality. And, and so... Uh, we were at a time where there was somewhat of a, a problem of that still, not with very many of the people, but with some people who attended Crossroads. And uh, I remember I had had a wonderful quiet time with the Lord. And the phone rang, and I picked it up, and there was a woman who I knew. And uh, she was a mom of one of the students in our youth ministry. And she said, Chuck, I need to talk to you. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, um, I'm really unhappy about the fact that my daughter is dating, and she named a particular guy. And I said, well, wait, Really? And I honestly, I thought about it. I was just kind of caught off guard. And, and she said, yeah. She said, I want you to make sure that they break up. I don't want my daughter dating someone like that. And, and I, I, gotta, I probably didn't handle it well. I, I just was so anger welling up. And I said, that, what do you mean? She goes, you know what I mean by that. And I said, well, do you mean by that a straight-A student who's going to be the valedictorian of his high school class? You mean by that one of the strongest Christian leaders in our youth ministry? You mean by that a man who just got back, or a young guy who just got back from a mission trip where God used him in an incredible way? Do you mean by that one of the kindest, most uh, 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 man, well-mannered guys I've ever met in my life? 
Do you mean by that someone who got a full ride scholarship to college and is being, you know, guaranteed all of his things uh, uh, with his education, his food, and everything like that? Do you mean by that someone who leads a Bible study that's growing? Do you mean by that a very godly man? You don't want your boss. And she just was, you just don't understand. And I said, I think I do. I think I do. And I'm sad I understand. Now, the mom got her wish. They broke up. And uh, I got to tell you what happened to the guy. He went on, graduated from college, went on and getting another scholarship and got graduate degrees. Today, while everything's not about money, let me tell you this, he's earning a ton of money. He has a wonderful wife and four beautiful kids. They're walking with the Lord today. He's doing great ministry. And in his field, he's internationally known and respected. The girl, I haven't seen her in some years. But the mom got her wish, and she started dating guys who were the right color. But the last time I saw her, she was a mess. You know what? We know God does not look at the outward. He looks at the heart. Christians look at the heart. That's what we do. We look at the heart. And it's sad because the pain that now was being visited down is horrible. Some of you have had the pains of racism visited on you. Some because it's still within you somehow echoing inside. Some because you were attacked because of it. But it's never been what God wants. God always has hated that. And we need to make sure we never, ever miss that. And if, by the way, Crossroads stands for many things, but we stand for the Word of God. We stand for the ways of Christ. And we stand for the idea that God loves everybody, regardless of the color of their skin or their national origin or anything. And that's who we are. And the church is a place where we're all to be one, where all are wanted, we're all our buddy. We brought the message of love. And by the way, we're in understanding that we need to reach the last person. You see, it's interesting. One of the signs of the coming of the Lord is we reach the last ethnic group. In Matthew 24, 13 and 14, it says, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And the word nation there is to ethne, to all the ethnic groups. And then the end will come. Do you realize that part of the problem the church has had is when it has become racially, I uh, had race, racism embedded within it. It doesn't see the desire to go bring the gospel to everybody. It doesn't see the desire to help children in Kenya or India or Peru or the Philippines or, 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 or Mexico or, by the way, in this area too. It doesn't see the desire to take that love of God. And whenever that happens, what happens is the gospel doesn't go to all ethnic groups. But praise God that we're a part of that. You're going to be hearing in October, if the Lord tarries, about how we're going to be helping support some works now in the Islamic areas of the world where amazing things are happening, where incredible things are occurring. And our prayer, our hope, and I've I got to say this, my prayer, and I, I would love for you to join me in this. I am praying that Crossroads Christian Church will directly be used by God to reach the last person for Christ. Now, I, you know, I know that might seem prideful. I just think God wants them reached, and, and we're praying the prayer, so we ought to get to do it. You know, and, and wherever they are, maybe it's that little boy that Tim and Kathy's heart is breaking for. That because this church loves and has been a part of that ministry, and because they love that now there's a little boy who I'm praying is still alive, what if he's the last one to be reached, and because their hearts went out and our missionaries are scouring that place for him? It's going to happen. Uh, uh, what if it's 
somewhere in the Islamic world. Right now, there's 6,000 unreached people groups in the world. That's all. As a matter of fact, the, uh, statistically, it looks like in the next 10 years, we're going to see the gospel go to all 6,000. We're going to see this prophecy fulfilled. But we got to be a part of it. We're going to be a part of it. My friend that I'm bringing in, I want you to know, is, uh, uh, was kind of used by God in an interesting way. And you might say, does it matter? Does it matter? Well, he knew the calling God had for him. He knew the great things God had prepared for him from the foundation of the world. And so what happened? He uh, went to a, a country that was a, uh, had, had a communist leadership in it. Christians were not welcome, but God somehow opened the door and he went in. And for a few years, my friend and his family thought, is God using us? And we kept saying, yeah, God's using you. And he says, yeah, but this church that I you know, kind of helped lead out has only got 50 people in it. And this church only has 60. And, this, and we said, dude, we know how hard it is. And, and by the way, nothing's small to God. And you keep at it. And we kept encouraging him. And for faithful years of service, God kept blessing this family. Then when they, they ended up coming out, what happened is because he was used in that particular country, they, they have actually helped spawn churches. Now, I don't know if you can count how big this is that sent out of that country 65 teams of people into Islamic countries where Americans aren't welcome. And because of that country, they're welcome. And now, where he was helping to reach hundreds, they're reaching thousands in the Islamic world. And God had a plan for that. Did he fulfill his destiny? Was he doing the works that matter? Yes, he was. And I want you to know that God wants us to be that way. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to work hard. He wants us to see the greatness of this. Paul says this is one of those great mysteries that we're all one in Christ. Look at Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 13. Don't miss it. you got to see it. It says this. For this reason. Why? Because the temple of God, the church is the temple of God. And when we come in without racial divide, the Holy Spirit is there. For this reason. I, Paul... The prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Now catch this. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before. Now, now there are many mysteries in the Bible. The rapture is a mystery. But this mystery is a different one. And he said, do you remember I, I wrote to you that God told me about a mystery? Now, what's the mystery? Look what it goes on to say in verse 4. By referring to this, this mystery, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Now, in verse 6, don't miss it. To be specific, in other words, what is the mystery? To be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body of Christ and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through our gospel. He said, don't you understand the great mystery that everybody's welcome, that everybody's loved, that everybody's to be sought after. And then Paul in verse 7 says, I was made a minister for this reason. I was made to be the one to break the barrier and go out and proclaim now that everybody is loved in God. And that we would take this message regardless of attacks, regardless of barriers, and go out and bring this into all the world. Paul said, that's what we were made for. That's what we're supposed to be. He said, I know my calling, and it was to make sure that the church is the church is supposed to be, the family is supposed to be. By the way, Paul was created to do this. My friend was created to do it, and we're watching it happen. And God's great desire is that you and I fulfill the great calling you have. You were made. You were prepared to do good works. By the way, this church family was made and prepared by God to do good works. And I want to ask you to think about this. Are we fulfilling our destiny? Are we being who we're meant to be? Are we doing what we're meant to do? And, and everybody here has a calling. Everybody here has something you're supposed to do. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. 
For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. God said, I've got plans for you. And when you have it, man, when you follow the plan I have for you, you're going to feel like, man, I'm living. And I can't wait to see what happens next. And I can't wait to see what else God does. And I hope that's the life you're living right now because he has it for you. Every single person here, he has it for you. And he has it so you and I would love in his name. By the way, I love this church. I don't know if you do, but I love Crossroads. And I love the fact that, that we're beginning to see this church more than ever reach across a lot of different lines. Uh, 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 Language-wise, racially, socioeconomically, educationally. But, but you know another way? This is a place where people who have special needs can come and be loved. And you know what? As, as we know, people with special needs are loved by God and matter. I love being a part of a church where hundreds and hundreds of people that would not be welcome in other realms of society can come here and know that when they walk in those doors, they're going to be loved and cared for and valued because we know they matter to God. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Jennifer Felix and her team led a, a wonderful day camp and dance for hundreds and hundreds of special needs people. And when I walked in that room and I looked around and I saw the joy and the excitement, all oh, the worship. The worship's off the charts incredible. I was just touched. By the way, this Wednesday night in Generate, our special needs choir is going to sing and help lead worship at Generate. And God says, you know, there's something incredible when you let that happen and you start to understand what life's about and you have a future and you have a hope. And when you and I love that way, that's what we should do. God has a plan for you. Where is he going to use you? How is he going to use you? I, I, I don't know, but I can tell you this. He wants to. And you were made for this and he wants it for you. And you know what? You know when you're doing it and you know when you're not. Isn't it interesting that God put within you, in your very heart, a desire to be something special? I want to say that again. I think when you lay in bed at night, you're wondering, do I matter? Does anybody care? Does my life have meaning? You know why you have those questions? Because God created you because you're something special. And He created you to do something special. He created you inside, the, the only way you're ever going to have that feeling met is when you start being who God created you to be and fulfilling your life, your life calling. And you all have one, I have one. And I want to encourage you today, if you're not finding it, if you're not doing it, you just tell God, I want it. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God says, I'm not playing hide and seek with this. I'm not playing hide and seek with my love and I'm not playing hide and seek with what your life's meant to be. He wants it for you. And I hope and pray that you say, God, that's, that's what I want. I want. I want my church family to be the family they're supposed to be. I want my family to be the family they're supposed to be. I want my life to be lived the way it's supposed to be lived. And that you do that. You let God do it for you. Today, I, I want to say this. If you're here and you're new to all this, I can't imagine there hasn't been times in your life you knew you were made for something more. And part of what you were made for is to be adopted by God as his child, to come close to him. And today, if you've never, ever experienced a true relationship with God that's like that, where you open up your heart to Him, and you might say, how do I do that? The answer is you pray. You just tell Him. Say, God, I want this. And I don't want you to be a God way out there. I want to be close. And I want you to, you said, if I call to you, that I'll find you. God, I want to be found by you. And today, I'm going to ask you today, if, if, that, if that's what you want, you pray a prayer. In a moment, I'll lead the prayer. I'll ask you to pray it with me. Today, if you're here and you need to recommit your life to Christ, Maybe you're a Christian and you're not close to God right now. Maybe because of hurt or pain. But I'm going to ask you, would you open up to God? And say, God, I want to be back with you. 
Today, if you're here and you've had implanted within you racism, and you say, you know what, God, I, deep down I know how wrong it is. I want it gone. Maybe you need cleansing from some things you've said and done in the past. You say, I just don't want to be that person anymore. I'm going to ask you to open up to God today. And today, by the way, if you've been hurt by that, I want you to know God hates it too. But I'm going to ask you today, if you need to be cleansed of the pain of it, don't let that define you anymore. Don't let those words echo in your mind. Say, God, you know what? I'm not going to let people like that stop me from getting your love and your life. So right now, I'm praying God's going to do a lot of things. But most of all, I want this one, that God would reveal to us what he wants for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would really truly come upon us in power. That your love would begin to touch people in this room. And Lord, I want to pray right now. I want to ask, I really do. I want to ask God that you would be with anybody today who has been harmed by something as evil and cruel as racism. That they were ever made to feel like they didn't matter. That hatred and hateful words were just aimed at them or maybe even violence. And God, I, I, I know you hated it and you don't want it. And I pray today that, that no matter what was done to anybody, they could be set free from that pain, that hurt, those words. And right now, there'd be cleansing. Father, I want to pray for anybody who's used those kind of terms, thought those kind of thoughts, had those kind of attitudes. Lord, I pray right now they'd fade away. And, and Lord, I pray not for guilt. I pray for freedom from it. I pray from cleansing. I pray that's not even a part of them anymore. Father, I want to pray right now for anybody who's just got pain. Jesus, I know you want to take our pain and it hurts. And I pray right now that that would happen. Especially, Lord, I want to pray for anybody who's been made to feel like they don't matter. Because I know they do. And God, for that person, they thought... I was always told I didn't account for anything. I pray today they would know they matter more than they know. And God, you've created them for great things. And while people may have told them or the world may have told them they don't matter, right now, Lord, your, spirit, your Spirit's touching them. And in their heart, they always knew better than this. And that lie, God, I pray, is being shoved aside. And I pray, Lord, that you would just call people to you right now. Some for the first time. I pray it's stirring in their heart. And this is what they knew always should be the message and the truth. And God, right now, they're thinking, this is it. I knew this is what the church should be. I knew that this is a message of God. And God, I pray you're starting to touch them. And now they want this. They're ready to say yes. And Lord, I pray for anybody who needs to come back to you, God. I pray right now you're just starting to draw them. So I pray you'll touch people. I pray right now for a man who's here and he has said some things to his kids, but as he said it, he remembers them being said to him. He's passing on a legacy he doesn't want to. God, I pray right now he's ready to let go of that. And, and Lord, his first step is to turn to you. Lord, I pray for a person who's sitting here and they got hired at a place and, and then they found themselves attacked and demeaned again and again. They felt trapped there. God, I pray right now you're going to be with them and help them. So, Lord, we pray, whatever needs are here, you're about to, to, to literally make a difference. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And right now, I'm going to lead a prayer for anybody who wants to say yes to God. But I'm going to ask this, and I mean it. If you're a Christian here today, would you really do this? Would you start praying for everybody who needs to make this decision? I just want the Lord to hear prayers coming up everywhere in this room, praying and praying for people who need to say yes. 
And right now, what I'm about to do is I'm going to lead that prayer. And today, if you want to say yes to God or you want to recommit, today, if you've got hurt that needs to be healed, today, if you just, you need the intimacy, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting, would you pray this prayer with me? He wants you. He loves you. So I'm going to ask you right now, just whisper these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me all my sin, to heal me from my hurt and my pain, to free me from all fear. You died, O oh Lord Jesus, to make me alive and to make me new and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be and help me live. Live the life I'm meant to live. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God if you prayed that prayer today. Praise God if you prayed that prayer today.